0: Do you get into a software engineering role as a junior? People kind of have like a specific idea of like what that looks like. It's like on a team with a couple other engineers, maybe they're working with a designer, maybe there's like a maybe there's like a an engineering manager that's specifically, you know, in charge of, you know, telling you what to do. And there's that's certainly a flavor of like what software engineering can be. But I think it doesn't
1: paint the whole picture. Welcome to the Junior Jobs Podcast, where we give new software engineers actionable job search advice relevant to today's job market. In today's expert interview, I'm talking with Nate Hobie, who is the founder of Hire.js, a service that helps you build your coding career organically through freelance project work, which doesn't have any experience qualifications. So if our conversation today piques your interest, and if you're looking to break into code as soon as possible, Without waiting around for an abundant job market, HireJS is looking for 15 to 20 people for its next cohort, which is starting soon. So just use the link in the show notes and mention you heard about them from the Junior Jobs podcast, and you should get $1,500 off their program. Well, welcome to the show, Nate. In the introduction, I mentioned your new service at HireJS, where you help new developers get that first job in record time. And prior to that, you were a software engineer at Amazon. So First, I just have to start by asking, what prompted you to make that switch?
0: Yeah, it's a great question, Eric. Um, you know, a lot of folks who are sort of entering into the, um, the scene, you know, a lot of us have these lofty goals of getting into something like an Amazon, a Facebook or a Google. You know, why would you ever want to leave that? I, I just want to say, like, first and foremost, I really enjoyed my time there. I was there for two years, um, worked on two incredible teams and felt like I really grew as an engineer and was sort of exposed to a way of doing things uh, at scale that I'd never you know, had experience with before. So 10 out of 10 in terms of that experience and um, you know, would potentially consider going back someday. But I have been, uh, I guess, like mentoring early career coders in my general network for about five years now. And it's just something I really enjoy doing. Um, I remember so vividly the pain of, you know, breaking into coding, sort of having this desire, this hunger to like figure out, you know, how to tell a computer what to do, right. And do that in a way that is hireable, um, and you know, to break into a career. Um, it's great. We have a ton of content. You can basically learn everything for free. Um, and that there's no complaints there, but because there's such a, there's such a, a width of information it becomes very difficult very quickly to sort of navigate all those different voices and move towards your goal with intention. Um, so having experienced that pain for myself and then having, um, having worked with others within my general network, um, just really got a taste for providing that clarity to other people and helping people um, just get to their goals faster. That was something that I found very compelling. Um, got a lot of satisfaction out of that. Um, so I have an opportunity to pursue that full time now. Um, so I'm really stoked about that, and yeah, hopefully that gives a little context for you know why I'd want to leave you know an opportunity like Amazon.
1: Right, absolutely, and thank you for paying it forward. I can definitely relate uh, in my own journey, and obviously my my own story for helping juniors where I can. You know, part of it is related to uh, at some point, code is code, and code is fun but it's really the people that i interact with that give me the most fulfillment yeah. and the more i can kind of help and mentor juniors the more personally fulfill, fulfilling that is as opposed to i don't know shaving off a few milliseconds off of an right. api or pushing out a feature a little bit earlier yeah. than you know the deadline that's not as it's great impactful right. as your, <laughs> as this yeah totally yeah cuz i mean a job you know specifically you know i know you target non traditional right. backgrounds a job in software engineering can be life changing. You know, somebody going from manual labor totally. or working in retail or thought they could, you know, never go to college. Uh, that That's what you're able to provide. And to be a part of that story is just yeah, so good, yeah. so fun.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. So,
1: so then look at your website here and I want to talk a little bit about this program that you're yeah. offering. Uh, you mentioned providing something called a, a missing manual, right. so to speak, for, for getting that first job in tech. Can you expand a little bit on sure. what you mean by that? I recognize
0: it's a little clickbaity, and that's because it is. So I can definitely clarify <laughs> that and sort of unpack it a little bit. Um, I suppose like the the reason it's phrased that way, um, the missing manual, is because I see sort of a general approach within um, just a landscape uh, to breaking into software engineering, that looks a little something uh, like the following. And you tell me, you tell me if this resonates with you, um, but you learn, you do some tutorials where you kind of catch this interest in coding. Um, and then you either, you do a boot camp, maybe you do, you know, get a college, go get a college degree or something like that. Or maybe you just take some college classes that are related. And then you kind of try to build your portfolio, right? You're focused on just demonstrating your ability to problem solve, demonstrating your experience with certain technologies that are like relevant in the market. Um, and then from there pretty quickly, you kind of start doing a lot of finger crossing, like, you, you know, especially in, um, especially in a market like we have today, where it's a little bit less abundant than what we've had historically. You just start doing those cold applications. You might do some networking with hiring managers or, you know, trying to just, you know, be the loudest voice or, or, you know, amongst just like a sea of other candidates. Um, And that's certainly, you know, there's certainly success stories that like follow that path. And then what you end up with at the end of that is you get into a software engineering role as a junior, right? So that usually looks, people kind of have like a specific idea of like what that looks like it's like on a team with a couple other engineers maybe they're working with a designer maybe there's like a maybe there's like a an engineering manager that's specifically you know in charge of you know telling you what to do there's a lot of this like infrastructure and support um and you're doing like classic software engineering with you know ci cd you're writing tests you know it's the whole shebang right um and that's great and that's um that's wonderful, and there's that's certainly a flavor of like what software engineering can be, but I think it doesn't paint the whole picture. It doesn't paint a picture of like what's really available to you. Um, but I suppose, yeah, I guess like before moving forward and expanding on that, because obviously I haven't answered your question. But that this is sort of the premise, right? Like that, like there's a spec- people have a specific picture of what they want out of software engineering as like an early career coder.
1: And, and to kind of summarize what I'm hearing is well. Inherit in that whole journey you're describing is a pretty lengthy uh, ROI period. Uh, meaning, you, you talk about you know going to a boot camp or, or going to college, it, it could be years uh, before you're finally able to kind of actually cash in on this. That's right, Eric. That yeah, a hundred percent. Right,
0: um, and I think you run you run the risk of potentially burning out. You know, there's it's very discouraging, especially if you. You know, you get an opportunity. Okay, you finally got contacted, you know, about your, your job application. You've been just, like, cold applying like crazy. Um, now you have this opportunity to interview. That doesn't even guarantee you a job, per se. You just have an opportunity to kind of show what, what you can do. And more than likely, that's going to be amongst, you know, other people that are kind of in a similar situation as you. Um, so it's just a lot of, a lot of emotional investment. And that emotional investment just, just balloons as time goes on. Um, and that can just be like Mm -hmm. a really, really, um, emotionally challenging, um, phase to navigate for sure. Um, and certainly from like a, from a monetary perspective, you know, you're, yeah, you're kind of kicking the can down the road and you are, it's not, it's not lost, right? Like you're positioning yourself in the market that's you're doing, you're doing the right thing, but. You're not necessarily going to see that return until you're able to kind of, you know, get that, get that interview opportunity, knock that interview opportunity out of the park, and then finally, you know, land that job offer. So there's like a lot of just pieces to that puzzle that are a little bit out of your control, I would say, somewhat.
1: Well, it reminds me of in software development, we, we follow an agile development process where you want to have frequent mm-hmm. releases so you can validate. That's right. The, the success of your of your program right and kind of what you're describing to me is is similar but for like personal development yeah. right cuz you spend all this money maybe you spend all this time and maybe you don't even know what the day to day looks like in that role That's right. so maybe even if you get that first job it is maybe overwhelming maybe you don't enjoy it as much as you yep. thought and how much better would it be if you could kind of have some validation that you're on the right path you know much earlier in that process. That's right.
0: Yeah. And I think getting to a point where you're able to, you know, transact with the marketplace in some capacity, um, which I'll talk about in a little bit. That's what we show people how to do super early. Um, not only does that give you that validation, not only does that give you that return on investment early, but it also gives you a little bit more of a sense of control in your career. Right. Because as you're able to, you know, do that early and not necessarily be pinning all your hopes up on this specific type of opportunity that you're looking for. You're a little bit more leveraged when you go into those conversations, right? You you're sort of you've been able to taste the um the fruits of the skill set that you have and now you can look at these opportunities with a little bit more objectivity and say, "Okay, like here's what's important to me," right? Um so you're not just going to like bend over backwards for a situation that could even potentially be Exploit it. Right. And that's that happens. Yeah. Um, and I've talked to people where that's a reality. It's like, okay, like I got, I, I got this job, but it's kind of in a toxic environment. And like the manager really just likes to walk over everybody. Um, you certainly don't want that.
1: Mm-hmm. So then let's, let's talk a little bit of that program here. So what does it look like, feel like to, read that missing sure. manual or to, or to go through that missing manual okay well, tactically what sure. does it look so
0: like sure so the just sort of like a high level i can give you the high level approach of like what we do right um it starts with sort of this understanding of like you know kind of having this this idea of what you think software development can look like and we instead say okay look there are a finite limited set of things that you can learn and immediately start exercising your general network to make money. Um, so it's sort of a, uh, it's kind of like what I would call it sort of a three-step process. The first process is getting really, really clear um, on the fundamentals of web development. And the nice thing about that is it focuses on, um, on skills that are cross-stack, right? A lot of people want to learn, you know, they want to go learn the new thing. And that's totally, you know, it's good to have that curiosity. It's good to have that, um, you know, to have that drive to go learn new things. But at a certain point, um, people can really get stuck chasing their tails, right? Because there's always something new coming out, right? So not only do we teach you what those fundamentals are and teach you how to get really good at them really quickly, but we also give you a framework for sort of understanding, you know, what bucket can I put this? this technology in you know when it comes across my youtube feed right i i have a bucket i can put that in so that it doesn't you know continue to take up headspace as i'm you know in the shower trying to go to sleep at night um anyone who's self-taught or has kind of gone through that process um you might be you might you might be you know familiar with sort of this feeling of um sort of always feeling behind right and always kind of wanting to make sure that you're that you're knowing all the things and there's so much to know and it's so noisy that having a framework for you know what to put you know each thing into is going to be really liberating and helpful and allow you to really put your mental energy and focus into things that are the biggest movers for you early in your career right
1: yeah i mean it keeps you focused helps you avoid that overwhelm yeah i know some of the juniors i've mentored through the years you know, they they will pick up every language that they can see, and really nobody is expecting, from my experience, a junior that knows you know, Java and Python and React and Objective C and Kotlin, and and I feel like you kind of dilute the effectiveness of you being a productive engineer in any one of those you know roles or, or languages if you spread yourselves. If you spread yourself too thin, too wide. That's early. right.
0: There's not enough depth, but there's a lot of wit. Um, and width is a good thing, but I think juniors tend to misplace where they should have their wit. I think the wit should probably come from um, project types or team types or situations and being flexible in those. Um, so certainly, you know, telling a hiring manager, putting on your resume that you have experience with all these technologies can't do that. But I don't think intrinsically, you know, having gone through like a Hello World or whatever in a bunch of different languages is going to be a big mover. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think of it in, in, uh, I like your breakdown. One more I'll add is language families. Uh, Like I think if you were to learn, you know, Python and .NET and Java, those are kind of like three different. Worlds, right. um, three different language families, uh, versus if you were to learn like Node.js JS and then like a React front end, like those are those are different languages, sure, or frameworks rather, but they're all kind of part of the same language family or the, or the same. State, yeah, right. So if you can stay focused on that language family, I think you'll have more success and you'll get that depth. Right. That you need.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point for sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, so you, you mentioned that this framework here. So can you? kind of help expand a little bit i don't want to dive too much into the secret sauce obviously this is part of the program that that you're that you're on but what does that So yeah. so the first
0: the first step is getting really clear in those fundamentals and solidifying those we have some like just really good solidification mechanisms for um giving you the depths that you need um but we really lean super heavily into like not just specific you know the specific technologies that are important but like the things that really carry across so giving yourself visibility in like um, in a situation that you haven't been in before. So just like really just like debugging um, and going through a lot of debugging repetitions and um, learning how to sort of like start from a problem statement and step through it. Um, so just kind of breaking down the whole process of iteration and, and hitting your head against the wall, right? I don't know if you remember this at all when you're starting out, but you have this, You okay, I've gone through some tutorials. Now I've got to build this thing. And it's like, you know, you're looking at this, just this this flat surface rock that you have to somehow climb up, right? It's like the blank slate syndrome. Um, So how do you navigate that? You know, like how do you break through that wall and actually get to the point where you can um, not just like type out this code, but sort of reason in it and problem solve in it? Um, so we do that. We get you really clear on the fundamentals. And then after that, it's really about getting to that point um, where you can charge money for your first project. So it's not it's not a full time role per se, but it would be a gig, right, that you can that you can transact with someone in your general network, which is what we we mainly recommend that it's someone in your general network or maybe one connection away. We show you exactly how to find those and like sort of categorize the different types of people and companies that are going to be the most willing to um, or the most likely to have a project need or a business need. Um, We show you how to find those and then we we mentor you through completing those projects. And basically what you end up doing is you end up building a little freelance consultancy for yourself, right? Basically in your general network, And from there, you can kind of expand out and either just use that experience to get qualified for, you know, this, that type of opportunity that we talked about earlier, or maybe you don't even really want that anymore. Um, To give a little more context on my own journey, I did freelancing for five years full time, like not, I think the word freelance kind of can sometimes make people think moonlighting or that it's not like your full time thing. Um, But no, I was like, I was paying my bills i was you know living life you know had a family you know just doing like freelancing and that is that is definitely a thing you can do and it's not going to be as controlled um by the same market conditions that you know the types of jobs that you get at the startups that you get at the big companies that are controlled by you know what the market's doing um it's not going to be It's not going to be as tied to that sort of thing, a little bit more tied to business need, yeah
1: yeah, yeah and and if you start in your network or you know one degree removed, I would imagine most people you're talking with are people that you already have some sort of relationship of trust with, so they may be more willing to kind of go out on a limb and help you if it's at your first opportunity, or more patient with you as you work through you know completing your task.
0: That's exactly right. Uh, has that been your yeah, so, experience? Uh, so having that connection with somebody up front is great, but maybe you don't have, you know, maybe you don't necessarily have one in your direct general network today. That's okay because mm-hmm. even in your general network plus one, that's a whole lot of people, right? And that's not the only overlap that you could potentially have, right? Knowing someone directly is great, but we also... One thing that we really, really focus on in the program is reframing what networking means for you. A lot of people kind of think of networking as kind of this dirty word. Um, It's kind of something that you can dump all this time into and really doesn't get you anywhere. And not only that, but it feels icky. Like while you're doing it, it's not really aligned with your true self. It's not. It just feels forced. Right. Um, That's probably because you know, there's no, the people that you're trying to reach out to, if you're just cold networking with people, there's probably not a lot of overlap with, you probably don't have a lot to talk about other than the things they can potentially give you, you know, and that's not like, yeah,
1: a, yeah, you're, you're going out and you're, you're begging. Right, yeah. Yeah. Or, you're, like or you're try, And maybe you're
0: trying to frame it where it doesn't seem like that, but it's really hard. It's like, you know, there's a lot of mental energy that, that takes without it being, you know, without, you know, you getting anywhere with that. So what we really try to show people is hey actually there's like four or five different categories of overlap that you can potentially have with a connection or a company and if you lean into that you'll find that going out and networking just becomes very very aligned with who your true self is and you don't feel like you have to be this like you know influencer linkedin networking guru person you can just talk to people and you'll have a lot to talk about
1: Uh, you you tell me if this analogy works or sure. breaks down at any point, but it reminds me of when uh, I was single uh, and I would go on these dates and I would try to connect with women with like, you know, no context. And I would go and do things, you know, go to the park, whatever things that I didn't even right. enjoy. Uh, I was not very successful doing that. But once I started just being more engaged in doing the activities that I That's wanted right. to do and inviting women yeah. to join me in doing the things that I wanted to do. It was so much more natural of a conversation. Right. And I didn't feel like I was trying to force a relationship. No, that's
0: a, that I'm right. going to steal that because that is, that is an incredible yeah. <laughs> analogy. Um, so yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Who
1: would have thought any single people on, on the, on the call, they're getting some right. dating advice here as <laughs> well. Maybe we'll, we'll have a, a spinoff podcast focused on that. <laughs> dating for coders. Well, well, good then. So, uh, for your program, I really want to highlight something that our listeners can take away today to help improve their success on the job search. Uh, so, is there one, one principle or behavior from your program that you think, if somebody were to uh, embrace today, you think would would make a big impact on their job search? Journey? Yeah,
0: I can, I can, I can do my best to sort of boil something down here. I think if you, if you're, if you spent any amount of time on your on your journey learning how to code, and you feel like you're in a place where you have a decent skill set, I think it's time to start exercising that um, in a paid uh, transactional way. Um, I think that's gonna give you a lot of confidence in yourself. That's gonna give you more confidence in your skill set. It's not gonna be perfect. It's not gonna be, you know, you, you're probably gonna knock it out of the park for whoever you're doing some project work for but in your eyes you're going to be comparing it to you know everything you're seeing on linkedin from your coding connections um but really your value as an early career coder you should be you should be like thinking about your value in terms of someone who is non-technical right who doesn't have any sort of context for this this kind of thing so that would be my i think that's my number 1 um That's my, my number one tip for people trying to break in is to break in, like, just start find someone who's willing to pay you. You know, it doesn't have to be a lot of money. It can be, you know, my first project I did in my general network, I have someone pay me like a hundred bucks to build something that probably took me like 80 hours, right? (laughs) It was not like a profitable experience, but what it showed me was, Hey, I can figure this out. You know, I can actually use my skill set to make money. Um, and that just, that just clarified a whole lot of things for me, Eric. And I think it, it would do the same for, for other folks listening as
1: well. And instead of, I mean, you're already not getting paid to work on a portfolio project. So even if it's just a a few hundred bucks, at least at that point, it's a, it's some money and it's a line item uh, on your resume. That's right. Uh, And that is, at least from the resumes that I look at, the the biggest differentiator for a new developer is relevant work experience, anywhere you can get it, even if it's a few hours a week or for a small.
0: That's right. And if you don't mind me punching in really quick, just to add on to that, like um, the thing that makes it relevant, I think, is that it's providing value to someone else. So you're actually able to not only demonstrate your ability, but demonstrate that you can, you know, Provide value through that ability to an, a separate entity, right? Um, I think that's that's huge. So, anyway,
1: yeah, I, I want to close with one other comparison that I was thinking of as you were talking. Right? You mentioned not comparing yourself to other developers, but comparing yourself to non-technical yeah. folks. And I, I did I did the math a while ago. It, it's probably changed a little bit. This was a few years ago, uh, and I can't remember the exact number. So so forgive me. Uh, but if if you take the total number of people with the job title software engineer, uh, and you compare that to the total number of people in the world, uh, there's something like 99.998% of people you know, don't have the title software yeah. engineer. Yeah. Uh, so there's two ways you can look at being an expert. One of them is that 10,000 hours a rule. Sure. If you have 10,000 hours, you're an expert in a field. But you also can uh, look at, you can also look at it relative to other people that even if you've only watched one YouTube tutorial on how to code, you already know more than 99.998% of the world's population. That's
0: exactly right. Uh,
1: so just yeah. with that little knowledge that you feel you have, yes, there's a lot you don't know, the, to other people that you're working with, non-technical folks, you, you're an absolute right. wizard to them. The, the kind of magic that you're, you're, you're pulling Yeah, the out,
0: joke then. that I always make to my students is the fact that you know how to spell HTML means that you, <laughs> you're already an expert <laughs> to a lot of people.
1: That's right. That's right. That's right. I, I like that perspective. Well, Nate, it's been a great conversation. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. If anybody's interested in this program, I'll have a link in the show notes to, to get signed up or to learn more. But thank you all that are listening, and we will see you all Thanks next much, time. Eric. Thanks for tuning in to the junior jobs podcast. We hope you found today's interview helpful as you navigate your own job search in tech. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to like, and subscribe as that helps us reach more developers in need. And don't forget to check the show notes for details on today's sponsor and other job search services that we provide. Thanks for listening and have a great day.